All right, good morning, everybody. Hey, uh, thanks so much for being with us in person today. Thank you for being with us online today. One more, Brian. Uh, and welcome to Faith Covenant Church. My name is Mike. I am one of pastors on staff here. And uh, we are glad to have you here with us as we are in the final week of our series, Relationship Goals. Uh, more about this in just a minute. But uh, hopefully when you came in, you noticed a card on the seat uh, that you sat down on. And that is the invite card for our Easter series. It's going to launch in two Sundays. Uh, it's called Goodbye Religion. And in that series, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how the resurrection sets us free from relating to God in ways that he does not mean for us to relate to him through. And so uh, if this is your home church, uh, your job in the next two weeks is to be thinking about, to be praying about, who does God have in your life right now who isn't coming to church, who you can be praying for, and you can be inviting out uh, to join us for that series? Uh, we're getting some feedback up here, Chris, if you can help me out. So, um, uh, so again, just hang on to that card. There's a digital invite available as well online. And just be going, okay, God, who have you placed in my life uh, for a reason? and be praying for that person, look for an opportunity, use that card, use a digital invite, and invite them to join you. Because I'm telling you right now, there is no time like Easter that people are open to an invitation to church. Uh, we'll do two services. There's a Easter egg hunt in between. It's gonna start promptly at 1045. If you show up at 1050, your kid is gonna be upset because there will not be eggs, all right? So uh, invite somebody out. So let's take a minute and pray and we want to pray specifically for our people and uh, for our time together, and then we'll jump into the last week of our series. Father, as we get ready to move in um, to Holy Week and to um, just celebrate the cross and the resurrection, this is a season where people are open to you, and to faith, and to coming out to church in ways that they typically aren't any other time of year. Father, just as you have placed us in the proximity of specific people for a reason, I pray that we would see that, that we would recognize that, and as we think of the people who we have in our lives, we just want to, just in the quietness of our hearts, bring those people before you. Father, I want to pray specifically for Kay Ann that you just create an opportunity for me to um, just talk to her about what she's going to do over Easter and invite her to join us here. Pray that you would work in her heart even now and make her receptive to you. Father, we pray just for the last week of this series that you would again meet us in this, those of us who are enjoying our marriages, those of us who are struggling in our marriages, those of us who um, aren't married and want to be, that you would meet us in your truth, in the words of Jesus for our lives, and that you would make our hearts receptive to it. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So for, for the last uh, few weeks, we've been talking about this idea of relationship goals. And really, if you're not familiar with that, it's simply a hashtag that people use when they see someone. 
who is uh, engaged in behavior that would take their relationship where they want it to go, or where they see someone who, who's, you know, got the, you know, living into the mindset that will help take their romantic relationship in the direction that they want it to go in. And uh, this week, you know, I, I spent a lot of time doing some research, um, and, and I did so for the guys. Because if somebody's going to get into trouble in a marriage, typically it's going to be the guy. And so, gentlemen, I, I invested significant hours in some heavy academic research to try and help you avoid some of the common pitfalls that men tend to step into. And so, um, uh, I, I, some of us are visual learners, so I managed to compile this in a video. And uh, while it is highly academic, gentlemen, I have faith that you're going to be able to grasp this. And so uh, we're going to bring down the lights. We're going to watch a video. This is for you guys. All right. All right. Thank you. Name a reason a man thinks his wife looks as young as she did the day he married her. Alcohol. <laughs> That's the best answer. <laughs> Fill in the blank. If it were up to me, I'd never blank again. Cheat. Cheat. <laughs> I love it. That's the dumbest thing you could have said. What, are you an idiot? If you could get rid of one thing in your life for a whole year, what would you choose? Alex. <laughs> My wife. <laughs> Tony say his wife. Larry, name something a divorced man hopes his ex-wife will do. Die. <laughs> We're not divorced. Yeah. Die. That is number one. Okay, so it's not very academic, all right? But uh, stay away from that, guys. You'll be all right. Um, now, what we, what we have done in this series is each week we've, we've tried to turn to the wisdom of the Bible to, to see what, what can we do to take our, our relationships in the direction that we want them to go. And here's the thing. I will, I'll, I will admit right up front, the wisdom of the Bible is counterintuitive. It is countercultural. But listen, if what you have been trying to figure out to do hasn't been working, if what your culture has been steering you towards has not been working, then maybe something counterintuitive and countercultural is in order. And I will tell you, as someone who's been married for, for nearly 30 years now, which for some, I know, that's funny. Some of you are like, you're just getting started, kid, right? And others of you think I'm old as dirt now, all right? But as somebody who's been doing this for almost 30 years, I will tell you, the, there is nothing that will bless your marriage more than the counterintuitive, countercultural wisdom of the scriptures. And so, so today we're going we're gonna to turn to them again. And, and just by way of review, if you're with us for the first time, or you've been away for a little bit, what, what we've done in this series in week one, we looked at how Jesus said there isn't going to be marriage in heaven. And, and we said, okay, if that's the case, then my marriage is not the ultimate relationship in my life. My spouse is not the ultimate person in my life. 
And, and, and so the idea with week one is we're, we're going to say, we're going we're to say, forget about, forget about Mr. Right. Forget about Mrs. Right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put a divine sized weight on this relationship or on this other person that's just going to crush them. And then week two, we said, hey, marriage is a competition. You should forever be trying to outserve your spouse. You should be doing everything you can to outbless your spouse when it comes to their hopes, their dreams, their desires. And, and if you've ever been part of a relationship where the two of you are racing each other to the back of the line, that's a good thing. But last week we pointed out, you can sometimes get a problem with this. Like, what do you do when you're, ever for, you're forever trying to outserve your spouse and they're forever letting you win? And so last week we said, when that's the case, then it's time to throw things. All right? You're going to take, see, you weren't here. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> go back. It was great. All right? But you're, you're going to take your hopes, your dreams, your desires, your pain, your frustration, your disappointment, and you're going to cast that. You're going to throw those things at God. Now, last week, what we did is we went, okay, we're going to take this problem and we're going to go, how do we respond to God in the midst of this problem? What we're going to do this week is we're, going to, we're still going to address this idea. What do I do when there's inequity, when the, when the relationship is lopsided? But t- today we're going to talk about how do I interact with this other person in the midst of that relationship? And, and what we're going to do today is we're going to turn to the wisdom of Jesus. We're going to turn to something that Jesus taught as we try and figure this out. And, and again, the teaching that we are going to look at from Jesus today, right up front, Jesus does not give this teaching and speak directly to the context of marriage with what we're going to look at today. He isn't talking specifically about marriage, but he is talking specifically about how to interact in relationships where there's inequity, where there's conflict. And when you take what Jesus said and you apply it to the context of marriage, it can be absolutely huge in addressing the issue of what do I do when I'm trying to outserve my spouse and my spouse isn't reciprocating. Now, Jesus, he begins this way. He says, and I love this, he says, but to you, but, but to you who are listening, I say, <laughs> it's kind of like, why wouldn't you listen to Jesus, right? Here's what's going on. The teaching that we're going to look at from Jesus today comes from a larger section of teaching, all right? We're going to just take a slice out of the pie. And so far, Jesus has been, like, as he's been teaching, he's been dropping bombs. Like, he has been giving some of the most difficult to apply to your life kind of concepts. He's just been hitting folks with one thing after another. Because here's, here's the deal with Jesus. If you want somebody who's going to be vanilla and easily digestible and who's going to sugarcoat things, Jesus is not your guy. If, if, you, want, if you want root beer and oatmeal cookies and a club for nice people, Jesus is not your teacher. Jesus was perfectly comfortable making his audience uncomfortable. He was radical in his ideas. He demanded complete allegiance from people. And so up to this point, Jesus has just been hitting them with one heavy thing after another. And so when he gets to this spot, he's like, okay, if you're still listening, here's what I got for you next. And this is what he says. He says, love your enemies, 
Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Now again, we're going to take this and apply this to the context of marriage. And if you're sitting there, you're watching online, and you're going, what kind of marriage you got up there after nearly 30 years? Hang in there with me. Because I I would contend what Jesus has just said here, that for, for just about all of us in this room who've been married more than a minute, all of us watching online, to one degree or another, what he has said could apply to our marriage at one point in time or another. Jesus uses some strong words, you know, enemy and hate and curse and mistreat. But here's here's the deal. These words, they're Greek words, and they have a range of meaning. And for all kinds of us, we would probably have to admit at some point in time, we've fallen within that range in our relationships. For example, Jesus will say, love your enemies. The word that we have translated there is enemy. Again, it has range. It can be as strong as, like, just loathe this person. There's all kinds of hostility towards this person. All the way down to, this person's kind of my foe right now, or I have an adversarial relationship with them. Now, I won't ask you to raise your hand, all right? I'll be nice, but just stop and think. You ever had a season, ever had a time, maybe on the way over in the car this morning, where you felt like the relationship between you and your spouse was a little bit adversarial, where your spouse felt like your foe. Have you ever had a time where, like, there was just hostility between the two of you? You're not proud of it. You didn't like it. You're not going to admit it in church, but you know it was true. Or, Or Jesus will say, do good to those who hate you. This term hate means to like, all the way from detest, just these unjust feelings of just, oh, I can't stand you, all the way down to, I love you less. Ever had a time where you felt like your spouse maybe loved you a little bit less? Ever Ever had a time where you felt like your spouse's negative feelings towards you just weren't fair or right? Or again, Jesus will say, Bless those who curse you. This term we have translated here as curse, it means to like wish evil or, or, or wish something poor on another person. Ever had a time where your spouse did something and it just wounded you? And you found yourself thinking, Ooh, I wish you knew what it feels, I wish you could know what it feels like to feel like what I'm feeling like right now. I just, I wish you could get a taste of your own medicine. Or Jesus will say, pray for those who mistreat you. This idea of mistreat, it means to like insult somebody or to falsely accuse someone. Ever had a fight with your spouse where you felt like they were laying accusations at your doorstep that were just completely unfounded? Ever had had a real good blow up with your spouse where they called you names that were not on your birth certificate? (laughs) You see, what Jesus is saying here, to some degree or another, all kinds of us will probably have to admit, we've had times where our spouse has felt like the enemy besides us. And and if if you've ever, 
If you've ever worked really hard to try and outserve your spouse and felt like consistently they were forever letting you win, in that moment, your spouse probably felt like the enemy beside you. And Jesus knowing, knowing that when someone wrongs us, there's something inside of us that wants to respond in kind. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Now, don't lash out. I, don't, I want to see the retribution thing. I don't want to see you try and give them a dose of their own medicine thing. If you are my follower, I have something different in mind for you. Where, where, where the relationship becomes adversarial, I want you to love them. Where they've got these feelings towards you that are negative and they're just not fair, I, I want you to do good to them. When, when you feel like giving them a dose of their own medicine, I want you to bless them instead. When, when, when they're calling you names and accusing you of things that just aren't fair, I want you to pray for them. And then Jesus goes on. If that weren't enough, he's going to drop some more on us. He says this next. He says, if someone slaps you on the cheek, hello, Chris Rock. Someone slaps you on the cheek, right? Turn to them the other also. Someone takes your coat. Do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. And then Jesus says, do to others as you would have them do to you. Now, try and illustrate this. We'll have a quick informal survey. All the perfect spouses in the room, can I just get a show of hands? Perfect spouses. All right. <laughs> Knew I could count on one of you to do that. That's right, Mickey. Okay. All right, so if you're online, you can just put in the chat feed there, practically perfect, Okay. Now, if you're a perfect spouse, you can just tune me out for the next two to three minutes. All right? You should see me afterwards or shoot me an email if, if you're watching online so I can connect you with a really good therapist who specializes in narcissistic personality disorders. All right? <laughs> for the imperfect people, okay, just stop and think about this. When you blow it, when you do something insensitive, you do something stupid, you do something hurtful, when, when, when there's something you know you should have done and you didn't do it, when you are less than perfect, how do you hope your spouse is going to respond to you? Just sitting there thinking, oh, man, I just hope they just make me pay. Oh, I can't wait for them to give me a dose of my own medicine. Mm, that's going to be good. Oh. When we blow it, we, we hope for love. We hope for goodness. We hope for blessing. We hope for prayer. We hope that they will forgive, that they will give us another chance, that they'll be gracious, that they'll be merciful towards us. Jesus is simply saying, hey, when your spouse blows it, when your spouse shows themselves to be the enemy beside thee, do unto them as you would have them do unto you when you show yourself to be the enemy beside them. Now, if all that weren't enough, Jesus 
continues. He says this next. He says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. Again, you apply this to the context of marriage. Jesus is very simply saying, look, if you're a good spouse, somebody who's a good spouse to you, so what? Like, if you, your spouse is forever trying to outserve you and you try and serve them back. Like, what award do you expect to receive for that? Your spouse is doing everything they can to bless you when it comes to your hopes and dreams and, and desires, and you're trying to bless them back. What award do you think you're going to get there? Like, even the worst kind of spouse can be good to somebody who's good to them. Abusers can do that. Cheaters can do that. Deceivers can use that. Users can do that. Anybody can do that. Jesus says, no, if you're my follower, I am calling you to something radical. When your spouse is your enemy, when they hate you, when they curse you, when they mistreat you, I want you to love them. Because anybody can love somebody who's loving them already. And then Jesus wraps it up with this. He says, but love your enemies and do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father in heaven is merciful. See, in this last section, Jesus talks to us about some of the whys. Like why I would choose to love my spouse even when they're proving themselves to be, be my enemy. And, and Jesus gives us a whole, uh, just, there's a significant number of different whys here. For time's sake, we're going to limit ourselves to just two. An implied why and a direct why. And, and we'll start with the implied one. Jesus would say to us, hey, I want you to love your spouse even when they've made themselves your enemy because hate is not a healer. See, when we take a step back, when we calm down, when we let the emotions you know, just, just simmer down, we know this is true. Like, like when, when the relationship gets adversarial, do we really think, okay, you want to fight? I'll give you a fight. We really think that's going to bring healing? When I feel like my spouse loves me less, do I really think I'm going to bring healing to the relationship by causing them to feel less loved? When my spouse does something that hurts me, do I really think, oh, I'm going to give you a taste of your own medicine. That's going to make things better here. See, see we know this. And Jesus knows this. But Jesus knows there is something inside of us that's inclined to, to respond in kind when we are wounded. So Jesus says to us, no, as my follower, I've got something better for you. Hate, hate is not going to heal this thing. 
It has never made a struggling relationship better. It's only ever made it worse. So rather than responding in kind, I want you to love your spouse even when they show themselves to be your enemy. Now, before we go on to the next reason, let's be really clear about what love is and what love isn't. All right? Love is not. Love is not perpetual victimhood in the face of abuse. Now, I, I get that abuse is sometimes misapplied in our culture today, which is not helpful to, to relationships where it doesn't exist. It's not helpful to relationships where it does exist. But love is not perpetual victimhood in the face of genuine abuse. If you are in a relationship and there is genuine abuse there, you need to get some help. See a professional. Especially, if the, listen, if the abuse is physical, you need to put distance between yourself and the abuser. You need to get out of the house for a time. To, love is not to sit there and just continue to take abuse and not get some kind of help for that. Love is also not the absence of accountability. Like, like if, if your spouse is genuinely doing something wrong, if your spouse is neglecting their role in the relationship, Love doesn't stick its head in the sand and pretend that doesn't happen. Love doesn't ignore these things. You, you can hold somebody accountable, there can be confrontation, and there can still be love. Now, what is love in this context? There are three primary words that we tend to, to, to take from the New Testament and translate as love. The, the first one is eros. It's where we get our word erotic from, all right? That is not the word that Jesus uses. When Jesus says, love your enemy, he's not saying, I want you to hug them and I want you to kiss them and throw rose petals on the bed. It's not the word. It's not what he has in mind. The the second word that tends to get translated as love is the word philia. It's where we get our word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love from. It's the idea of, of, of a fond feeling of friendship towards another person. Again, not the word that Jesus uses. Jesus is not saying, hey, when your spouse makes themselves your enemy, boy, I want you just to feel like they're your best friend, not where he's going. Jesus, he uses the word agape, which in this context is referring to an unconditional commitment to the betterment of another person. Jesus says, hey, when your spouse makes themselves your enemy, I want you to be unconditional in your love towards them. It's not, hey, you perform this way, you get that. No, it's, there is an unconditional commitment to that person's good. I, I'm not attracted to them in the moment. I may not even like them in the moment, but I am unconditionally committed to their good. Because I know hate isn't gonna heal a thing. So that's reason number one. Reason number two is this is a God thing. This is a God thing. Again, listen, we we tend to to want to reduce our marriage to something that's just between us and our spouse. Jesus throws God into the mix. Again, listen to him. When when your spouse has become your enemy, Jesus says, I want you to love them. He says, then your reward will be great. 
and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. See, you thought this is just about you and your husband or this is about you and your, and you and your wife and Jesus is like, no, this is about you and God as well. In fact, I would challenge you, read through the New Testament. Read, read through the passage, passages that speak directly and specifically to the context of marriage. Again and again and again, you will see that the writers of the New Testament, they throw God right into the mix. Your marriage is every bit as much about you and God as it is about you and your spouse. And in this context, Jesus is like, listen, as you follow the, the, the call that I have on you to love your enemy, th this is about you and me, and there are rewards that are involved in this. I am going to reward you for this. Gentlemen, Jesus is saying to you, hey, if your wife is best described as a woman who rides a broom home every night and makes your life miserable, this isn't just about you and her. Jesus is saying to you, hey, it's not just her. Look beyond her to me. Don't just do this for her. Do this for me. The, the, the way you're going to honor your commitment to me is through loving her. I showed you mercy when you did not deserve mercy. I loved you when you were unlovable. If you're going to be a man who keeps his commitments, if you're going to be a man worthy of respect, you are going to be faithful to me as you are faithful in loving her. And I will reward you for that. And ladies, Jesus says to you, hey, listen, I get it. Your man, he lives under a bridge, he drags a club behind him, and he makes your life miserable. This isn't just about you and him. Don't, don't just see him. Look beyond him and see me. The, the, the best way to be faithful in your relationship to me is to faithfully love him. I was merciful to you when you didn't deserve mercy. I loved you when you were unlovable. The best way to love me is to love me through loving him. And when you do it, I will reward you for that. See, again, you read the New Testament. There's this idea that for every one of us who are following Jesus, a day is coming where we will stand before him and we will give an account for how we spent the lives he entrusted us with. A day is coming when Jesus is going to be like, hey, how'd you do it following me? How'd you do it following me in your marriage? On that day, if I'm like, but Jesus, you don't understand. That woman was a witch. Nobody could love that woman. That's not flying. Because it wasn't just about me and that woman. It was about me and Jesus. A day is coming. Ladies, you, you, Jesus, you don't understand. He was a troll. No. It's not just about you and him. It's about you and Jesus. Our, my marriage, your marriage, this is a discipleship issue. And someday I'm going to stand before Jesus. And Jesus knows this. And he's like, listen, the day is coming. 
I want you to be able to live in such a way where you can look forward to that day with a sense of anticipation and excitement, not shame and regret. And here's the thing about rewards. Rewards are not limited to just the life to come. Rewards for being faithful to Jesus, they apply to this life as well. I can think of a host of different ways that following the, the radical call of Jesus, the radical example of Jesus to love our enemy, even when our spouse is our enemy, will bring reward. I'll give you one before we wrap this up. If you're looking for healing in your marriage, you're looking for change and transformation in your spouse, I, I will tell you right now, Hate is not a healer, but love is. Love has the power to change a relationship. Hate won't do that. Not, not in the way you want it to anyway. If you, if you are looking for healing in this relationship, love has the power to do that. If you are looking to see the person who you've committed to spend the rest of your life with be transformed because you think I can't spend another day with this person like they are. It takes a special kind of psychopath to consistently live in light of the kind of love that Jesus has been talking about here and not be transformed by it. The, overmo the overwhelming majority of you, there's a couple, but the overwhelming majority of you sitting in this room watching online today, you're married to good-willed people. You are married to a good-willed woman. You are married to a good-willed man. I am telling you right now, it is nearly impossible to sit in the light of the kind of love that Jesus is talking about here consistently over time and not have that change a person's heart. But it takes somebody willing to commit themselves to this radical call of Christ. Because what Jesus has said here, this is not easy stuff, amen? So, you got relationship goals? Awesome. There, there's a mindset and there are behaviors that can help take our relationships in the direction that we would hope they would go. Again, again, it starts with forget about Mr. Right. Forget about Mrs. Right. Qu quit trying to put a divine-sized weight on a person or on an institution that was never meant to carry that. Remember, this is a competition. You're going you're gonna to do everything you can to outserve that person. And when they don't reciprocate, you're going to throw things. You take your hopes, your dreams, your desires, and you are going to cast them on the Lord because he cares for you. And then you're going to get back in the ring and you're going to love your spouse even when they show themselves to be the enemy beside me because love's a healer and hate is not. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that you would meet us in whatever relationship 
we have that we are struggling in right now. For some of us, this is super applicable to our marriage. For some of us, this is applicable to a different relationship altogether. Father, for some of us, this is really raw and really difficult. And for others of us, this is like, okay, yep, this is, this is a good reminder for something that really is not that tough for us in our lives right now. Father, wherever we are, please help us. Please help us to embrace the wisdom of Jesus to be people who will respond with love and goodness and care and prayer, who will bless those who we are struggling with, who will see and meet you in the process and experience your life in it all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.